Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts. I am your host, Derek. This is episode 82. We return to prepping for Picard. And I have my recurring special host, Ray. Hi. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, If you listen to our bonus episode from last week, our review of Short Trek's Ask Not, Ray joined me for that. I did. And uh, Greg is um, out of town on some family stuff. And so Ray decided to join me here for Prepping for Picard Season 5. Yes, I did. Uh, So today we are going to be covering really two episodes, even though one is a two-parter. The first is Darmok which is a personal favorite of mine. And that is um, what we'll talk about first, of course. And then next are the two parts of unification, which uh, we will then talk about after that. For those who don't know, Prepping for Picard is a sort of mini series that we've been doing for a few months here, getting everybody, including ourselves, ready for Star Trek Picard that comes out in January. So um, you can catch up on uh, all of the episodes before that. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go out to heroespodcast.com and look under the article section for top 20 quintessential Picard episodes, and it's linked to the episodes that we talk about them in. So I'd like to say just for the record that you kind of put this together for me as an outsider to kind of understand exactly what the Picard show might entail things that might occur during the Picard show might be throwbacks or references as well as just more understanding of who Picard is as a captain as a man and I have to say that you pick some really good episodes I feel like I am more prepped for Picard to be completely <laughs> like I you know it's silly I know yes. but <laughs> she said the thing uh but yeah I do I want to say that I I don't know we both ha- are pretty big experts in our fandom fields and this is the first time one of us has given the other a list and be like okay watch these and then I have and now I feel you know like I'm ready to go. Like, well, I'm certainly glad this uh, was a little bit easier of a task because you're only trying to focus on 
one character really yeah. um so when i put this list together over the summer we didn't really know much about the show yet so we didn't know about the romulan plots or the borg plots and having hugh return and seven return we didn't know any of that but um yeah so we've we've been going through uh season by season and this is our season five and this is going to include um darmok the two-parter unification and the inner light which i left off the list earlier um, we will be doing Time's Arrow, but part one is going to be moved into season six with part two in our season six episodes. Woo! So, yeah, um, we don't really have any Star Trek news to cover, so we'll just kick things off with Darmok. Um, so for those who don't remember, Darmok is the episode where Picard is, quote, abducted, so to speak, um, and beamed down to a planet to... Um, what the Enterprise crew believes is to fight the captain of the other ship. And so um, the uh, the Temerians are a species that the translator doesn't work on, right? They just kind of say gibberish, and it turns out that they speak in metaphor. And that's why they have such a hard time communicating with each other. So, um, Ray. Yes. Initial thoughts on Darmok. Well, I was super confused, of course, because at the beginning you were like, have you figured it out yet? Like, after one interaction, you were like, do you get it? Like, no, no, I don't. So the reason that I (laughs) reacted that way to you, of all people, is your background in language and writing and English and, you know. Well, so my original understand, my original guess was that they had picked up multiple languages and they were speaking in an amalgamation and there wasn't one thing that was translated into something comprehensible. So that's how they communicated. But I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good thought, though. Actually, when you uh, mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. I hadn't really thought about that. But um, but no, um, they speak in metaphor. And so the big problem, of course, is that everything is proper nouns. And so you only get like every fourth or fifth word. Well, yeah, you you got conjunctions and you got nouns. So, um, you know, ocean and 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 the was fine. We were able to figure that out. Easy peasy. But, you (laughs) know, yeah. So there's, you know, of course, so there's like some phrasing that is very famous from this episode and that's of course Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra that's yes. the big thing that's repeated and over I, and over I remember Darmok and Jalad but I keep screwing up Tanagra <laughs> and I keep saying Taranga and that's right. yeah Leela Leela's home world yeah um, Darmok and Jalad at Leela <laughs> Uh, there's actually out there in like fan art t-shirts there's a great t-shirt of Picard like shredding on a guitar and it's like an old band shirt and it says Darmok and Jalad Tanagra 1991 <laughs> it's like pretty it's pretty That's great cute. I want that shirt I know um so okay so let's just kind of go through the episode I guess um so this episode is very important for Picard and the reason mm-hmm. it's on the list is not so much that it's about him as much as what it's about Um, So he's brought down to this planet. He can't understand the person he believes is his adversary, but he continues to try and work through it and create some type of dialogue. Yeah. Um, So this episode really focuses on his determination, his patience and understanding and his critical thinking. 
right? Because he eventually works out the general meaning behind some of these terms without any real way of, of deciphering. Context. Right. Context is always important. And context is greatly how people are able to translate anyway. You get stuff by expression and hand gestures and any other types of motions so you know you get the feeling behind it it's it's why people can figure things out and it it's very important here right because oh absolutely he's using hand motions and you know there's a a point where like picard kind of keeps saying the same words over and over again but he knows that he the, that um captain De, uh Dethan doesn't understand him anyway and so it's this kind of battle between the two of them um i do like that they're equally frustrated that's fair that's a really good thing to remember because there's so much out fish out of water kind of stories where you know, the other person, the one that we don't identify with is used as mockery and or, you know, unintelligent. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was very important that they showed the Captain Dathan as being equally annoyed and, you know, equally frustrated and feels kind of you know at times that Picard's a burden on him like he has to make him the fire or he has to give him fire <laughs> otherwise this this guy will will die so you know he he is just as frustrated and I appreciate that they didn't go the dumb alien route well and it shows that so one thing that Star Trek sometimes does well and sometimes doesn't do well is showing the other civilization on equal or even higher ground. Right. Um, sometimes that, that works out really well. Um, other times it doesn't, you know, the Ferengi are a good example of that. They were always shown to kind of be lesser than for most of their existence in Star Trek, but at least in TNG. Yeah. But the Temerians here, they, their ship is at least as powerful as the enterprise. It's technology and its weapons are at least as good as the enterprises. And uh, the captain is putting his life on the line to try and create this dialogue because he knows it hasn't worked. Right. They mentioned early in the episode that they've had six run ins with the um, with the Temerians and it's never gone anywhere. It's never made any sense. It's just been gibberish and they just move on. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this time Dathan is is dedicated and determined to make something happen to show some level of progress. And I think that it's kind of lucky that it's Picard because Picard's probably the best person to understand that motivation. Right. Right. And after, you know, the thong gets hurt and he's injured and they're at the campfire and they're having that conversation. That's when it all starts to kind of come together. And Picard finally understands the point. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about that scene because that scene was probably more meaningful for you than it was for me because I didn't really I, I don't really know the story of Gilgamesh outside of Darmok um, so I absolutely love mythology you know learning about any ancient culture what they believed in their religion and their folk tales is pretty important to understanding who they are as people and how they've grown how their technology has grown so before 
he even mentioned Gilgamesh, I knew where he was going because the parallels between Picard and Dathan and even uh, what we could understand from the Darmok and Jalad story, it was definitely Gilgamesh and Ankidu. I like how Picard tries to tell the story in the same cadence. Yes. Right? Um, to kind of show that similarity, to kind of get that pattern down. Again, the whole context, very important. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, now, of course, stuff's happening up on the ship at the same time that this story is going on. And yeah. it's not as good of a storyline. Well, first of all, <laughs> I do want to give a little like shout out here. I really appreciate that all your Picard episodes so far, not all of them, but a lot of them, have taken him off the ship, isolated him. He's gone on these adventures, these life-changing affirmations and moments occur. But while he's doing that, Riker is the captain. So Mm -hmm. most of these are also like kind of Riker episodes. So I think like this... And um, best of both worlds and inner light, you know, these are really telling of of Riker's character, and um, I think they're they're not they're obviously not Riker centric episodes, but they do show a lot about his individual character and just how much Picard trusts him. So yeah, that's I, for sure. You know, I think they could second as <laughs> Riker episodes. No, that's fair. And he he's kind of stuck, right? Because he knows he's got to protect his captain, but at the same time, he can't, you know, risk the ship being destroyed or something like that at the same well, time or start yeah. a war, right, with this other species. Absolutely. Um, and Needs uh, of the many. It's it's an okay storyline. My problem with it is really more of the D- Data and Deanna plot yeah. where they're trying to figure out the language. And these two people who are probably the best people for the job on the ship – are like running the worst Google searches on the planet right. like I've ever thought of. If we were to list in order who would have done best with Captain Dathan down on the planet, you know, I would have said Picard, Data, and Troy. But it's so bad though, because like so they're they they're pulling out the nouns that um they've been hearing, right, to try and run searches for them. Sure. And they're searching one at a time. Yeah, not the entire phrase. And it's like well, I mean, the entire phrase, I mean, at least use like two or three of the nouns at the same time, right? You've got Darmok, Jalad, Tanagra. When you need to Google search lyrics, do you just pick one word or do right? you pick the whole line that sticks in your head? No, it's, I think the thing is, if they had actually used the character's intelligence, how we, we know how smart they are in other episodes, their storyline would have had to been shortened because it would have been you couldn't have extended it out to be filler for the rest of the episode I mean, that's it true. would have been shorter and it was a time thing but it it's made their character suffer they just like they're two very intelligent people and well it's tough too because there's an, an episode early on in tng where data has to learn another language and in this case it's kind of similar to to sign language in a way. Um, And so you've already seen him go through a process of learning a brand new language with, with lack of information at his disposal, you know? And so in this case to see him not use a similar methodology was just kind of weird. 
you know? Um, but they figure it, they, they kind of figure it right. out. Um, but, but yeah, so of course this episode is kind of sad. Captain Dathan dies his, uh, of his injuries from the beast at, at, uh, um, Oh boy, the name of the planet that they're on uh, escapes me for the moment. It's, it's like El Eladrel, Eladrel. That's what it is. Uh, so the beast at El Eladrel. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, really, because I would have liked to have seen them like back on their own bridges and t- you know being able to talk to each other and have like the crew of like what is going on. Um, I agree. It also would have been nice to have them come back. Like, what's a I missed opportunity in all the worlds of Trek to never go back. Well, I mean, I agree with you. It would be really nice to see them again. With that said, I don't know that DS9 or Voyager would have had an opportunity because Voyager spends its entire time on the other side of the galaxy. No, you're right. And DS9 is focused so much on the Gamma Quadrant, the Cardassians, and the Maquis that the Tamarians would have had to basically go to them. And you could have done that. You could have had a Tamarian ship show up at Deep Space Nine needing repairs or fuel or something, Mm -hmm. right? And you could have done that. Um, But I don't know. Maybe they would have... Maybe they thought it would have been a sequel to an episode people may not have seen. There could also... If you do it on DS9, then you have to have Cisco reference Picard because Picard... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Was the one to first make mm-hmm. intelligible contact with these people. Well, and that could have been a cool note because Cisco's not a huge fan of Picard. Exactly. After Wolf 359. So right. that could have been neat. Um and Darmok is consistently ranked as one of the top episodes of TNG. So I think banking on people having seen it would have been okay. I think so, too. There's a lot of references to other episodes as well. So, you know, I don't think it would have been a stretch to require them to see one episode. But, you know, they did mention that Starfleet had come in contact with him in the mm-hmm. past for a couple hundred years or so so it's possible that we could see them on discovery maybe like the second or third contact or obviously we're not going to get anything substantial or good because nothing came out of those seeing them later would be a lot better than seeing them earlier yeah i mean if you ended up with a pike show you could have the enterprise run into them and not be able to do anything right right but and it could really frustrate pike it could yeah it would be good character development for him i guess that's fair. I just don't know that you can make a whole episode out of that, you know, and I'm, not, I'm just not sure that would have worked in that 
in that context. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, Picard comes back to the ship and he's able to immediately communicate with this, I guess, first officer, um, of the Tamarian ship. And, and you had a slight problem with that. Yes and no. I mean, I think it's convenient that Picard all of a sudden is very good at mm-hmm. communicating because again, it is still all noun based. And while he could understand through context, general tone and meaning like cooperation or sadness or whatever, um, being able to relay the information that he does at the end, the I get, the only way to explain it away is that at some point around that campfire before Dathan died, they had a longer conversation. And we, uh, one, that's very likely, it's very possible that they talked a bit longer. But two, I also said that, you know, he could have been using things incorrectly, but because of the tone... And the other Tamarians understanding the context, they kind of let it go. They weren't like, this is a place to correct his grammar or something. <laughs> well, that's fair. So, Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's that's also a very plausible um, situation. It's just, I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to analyze the episode a little bit more closely. Oh, sure. But I, I, this is one of those where I would have loved to talk to the writers yeah. behind it because as a you know, language fanatic, uh, doing the research behind this stuff is really cool. Like, I'm one of those people that didn't, you know, memorize all of the Elvish dialects in Lord of the Rings, but I did, however, study Tolkien's notes behind how he created it. <laughs> like, that's me. Like, how did you create languages, sir? Yeah, that's a, a tough job. Um, and there, there's people whose entire careers are making, you know, alien, act, like real alien languages. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah, um, I, I've i watched interviews with a guy who created some of the Klingon stuff mm-hmm. and uh, Dothraki. So, like, I, well, I love that. It's frustrating because people call them, like, oh, so you just make fake languages? Well, well, no. They have grammar, syntax, and vocabulary. You can speak them. So how are they fake? Yeah. They're just, maybe they're... They're, they're not Earth. They're, like, not, they're like, not culturally historic. Right. But they're real languages that people speak. I mean, you can get a lot of very high-profile books translated into Klingon. Yeah. You know? Um, absolutely. That's a thing. So um, some interesting facts about this episode. So Captain Dathan, he actually played Captain Terrell in The Wrath of Khan, the captain of the Reliant. Yes. Uh, so his two appearances on Star Trek both end in his character dying. Which I pointed out. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it, but it's true. Um, and this is the first time you see Picard in what's probably my favorite star trek uniform which the is jacket. the jacket look uh yeah. i always love that i want one really bad i do like how he is extra ripped this season <laughs> and they without being gratuitous they show it off like he's in sleeveless looks he is attacked by the beast and they have a nice like jab across his stomach yeah, and you can kind of see some tear. Yeah, yeah you can see a little bit of abs but you don't think he was in good shape for captain's holiday no 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 i'm not saying he wasn't in good shape i'm saying that this season he's even more even better okay. yeah I guess I yeah. never really noticed. He's, <laughs> he's never been like a big guy. I noticed. You know? uh, though he is pretty ripped in um, uh, First Contact and Insurrection. Yes. He, he's, he, his arms particularly mm-hmm. are pretty good in those. But 
Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of a cool little thing. And then, um, I didn't know this, but I found it on, um, IMDb here. It's actually the first time you see that particular shuttlecraft, which is the very famous type six shuttlecraft that most people had toys of. Oh, cool. Uh, that I actually have a toy of. So that's kind of neat. Mint condition. <laughs> no, Aww. no, that toy, that was, that was one of my more heavily used toys because it fit full size action figures really well. No way. That's awesome. Yeah. And so like the whole front would open up so you could like put someone in the the pilot seat the interior was very different than it was in the show oh well i I don't appreciate that lack of accuracy (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so overall what did you like this episode do you think it's a good picard showcase yeah i do i'm always worried i put it on the list because it's just a personal favorite of mine but no i think it shows his characterization really well because I think there was some personal determination and maybe it was bred out of spite. I don't know, but he was determined to figure out a way to communicate with this man, especially once he figured out that it was a friendly fight and not adversarial. That's fair. Yeah. I I like all of that. That's that's my favorite aspects of the episode is watching him have to work it out mm-hmm. while also not sure what the threats are against him. Exactly. You know. Um, okay. <clears throat> well, let's. The, the predator beast was super lame. I didn't like him, but I understood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part's kind of a rushed deal. It seems yeah. right. Um, but I get the whole thing behind it though i get it it's it was fine. the idea was for it to be a nameless beast right a yeah. faceless beast that's just a common enemy that we that we never feel bad for or want really any explanation of it's just exactly. an animal yeah right all right so let's move on then to unification parts one and two so unification is the spock episode of mm-hmm. tng um and uh, also the return of Sarek in kind of a sad way But um, what are your initial thoughts on unification? So I saw the thumbnail, which is very telling when you're married to you. (laughs) Because you turn to me and you're like, look, it's Sarek. And I was like, he doesn't look well. And you're like, no, he doesn't. And I was like, he's going to (laughs) die. And you were like, you just looked at me and you smiled. And I'm like, what? Why? So I I went into this being upset. Yeah. I mean, some of these episodes, it's hard to really hide everything that happens in them. You know? It's just... There were no thumbnails in 1991. Exactly. So. Exactly. So the people who are choosing them now, because they're very, like, none of them are caught in a pause or something like that. They're very purposeful. Yeah. And I think more times than not, I'm kind of able to figure out a plot point. Mm-hmm. Well, so the the main point of this episode, of course, is that Spock has gone to Romulus. He's essentially retired as an ambassador to the Federation and has gone to Romulus. Mm-hmm. And Picard and the Enterprise have to figure out why he's, quote, defected, even though nobody believes that the great Spock would defect. And he didn't, of course. Spoiler alert. So the whole point of this episode is that Spock wants to unify Vulcan with the Romulan cousins. Because those who don't know, at some point... A long, long time ago, the Romulans and Vulcans were the same people, and the Romulans did not 
want to continue down the path of the emotional control and the logic focus that the Vulcan society has. They didn't want to suppress themselves. So they left and they created the Romulan Star Empire. And in the meantime, they become, you know, incredibly technologically advanced, but they're sneaky and shifty and angry and violent and brutal and so it's yeah you know they're not by not suppressing themselves they chose kind of a path of war but also you know not all-out battle like the Klingons and they have at times I'm, they're more of a combination of, you know, the Ferengi and the Klingons. They're smart, of course, but they're also, you know, underhanded and manipulative. Espionage. Exactly. And covert operations. Things that the, the Klingon would look at as dishonorable. Normally, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, of course, this is not a Spock episode that, you know, that's not the focus here. It's it's a Picard conversation. Right. So. Picard starts things off with more or less kind of threatening Chancellor Galron of the Klingon High Council to get him a ship. That was great. (laughs) I love when people are able to manipulate a situation with just a like, well, you would have our gratitude and... You know, if you don't do this, we'll give our gratitude to someone else like that. That was just a baller move. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great moment for Picard to kind of shine and show that he is the diplomatic type. But don't push him. Right. Right. And so uh, for those who you know, maybe skipped around and, and didn't see everything, the Klingons had a civil war of sorts. Well, then they did. They had a civil war. And, and the Federation stepped in. They did. And they did it on behalf of Galron. Mm-hmm. And Galron's absolutely one of my favorite Klingons in Star Trek, by the way, when he's on DS9 and everything. It's just wonderful. But, um, you know, Picard and the Federation had a big hand in that, Picard specifically. And that's why Worf's disincommendation is thrown out and his name his the honor is restored to his house and all that type of stuff. So for Picard to basically be like, you know, I helped you out. Now it's my turn or else kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's yet another example of his his confidence, his courage and his strength in front of what, you know, should be a fairly intimidating force. Um, so I really like that quite a bit. And so, of course, they, they do get their ship and Data and Picard get made up to look like Romulans. And I'm curious what your thoughts were on seeing them in Romulan form. Okay, so I have a slight problem with it just where we are in the world today. Because if this was, you know, Earth and two white guys (laughs) dressed up as any other race, it would be bad, 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 bad. We are not. This was done as a fictional thing. So I will say the prosthetics were great. (laughs) They looked really good. I believed them as Romulan. I was really freaked out when Galron was like, yeah, and some Romulan lady is just going to lick that paint right off you, Data. And I was like, please stop. 
So that was not Galron. You don't that was see, not Galron. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Right, that was the the, the helmsman. He yeah. was the captain of the Klingon ship. Got it. Yeah. Okay, I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah. So Star Trek has a history of doing this type of thing. You know, in the original series, you had Klingons making themselves look human to infiltrate the Federation. In fact, it's a story thread in Discovery too with Ash. Right. Right. Um, sorry, spoilers for discovery. My, my apologies. Um, but, um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's a thing Star Trek has, has done a mm-hmm. bunch of times. There's an episode called first contact, no relation to the movie, but look, Riker like, does it. It's never done as like a complimentary thing. It's always done to be covert and get your own way so there is like Mm. a small amount of malice behind it it's it's not done as mockery it's not blackface but like it's it's not good either it's not like oh i just really appreciate their culture no it's it's usually like it's not usually sometimes like in first contact it's done because they want to study a civilization that um they're trying to determine if they should have first contact with and so they'll go undercover to find out more about them before they open official negotiations or something. Right. Um, happens a lot with civilizations that have just achieved warp drive or are close to it and things like that. Um, that's what the episode First Contact is kind of about. So it's something that happens quite a bit, and it's a big thread in DS9 because of the founders, the changelings, you know, and that, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, in this case, you know, it was just... How do we get to Romulus to find Spock? Sure, we got to blend you know? in because, yeah. you know, members of the Federation are clearly not welcome on Romulus. Not normally, no. Um, so while they're on the Klingon ship, of course, the captain is giving Picard a hard time and trying to push his patience. He wants Picard to respond, right? He wants to get a rise out of him, and Picard's not going to let that happen. Yeah. Um, and so you have some funny moments with, with that, of course, and then... Data staring at him while he's sleeping was hilarious. And you could just like tell Picard could feel the eyes on him. And he's like, I'm not doing this. This isn't happening. He's like, Captain, clearly this was made for one person. And Picard just looks at him like, no shit. <laughs> well, I guess the, my question for Picard would just be like, what did you think Data was going to do? Right. You know, like he's not gonna like. I guess he could lay down on the floor, maybe, but you know, he's just gonna stand there. Yeah. But whatever. So, um, Picard has to interact with Spock. Yeah. That's kind of the uh, the main focus of this episode. Um, I guess before we get to that, there's his final scene with Sarek. Um, so the episode Sarek was covered earlier in our prepping for Picard. So please check that out if you missed it. Um, and. Picard and Sarek now have this connection because of the mind meld in that episode. And Picard has to get his attention and his focus long enough to try and figure out some motives for why Spock has left. It's a pretty intense scene. It really is. If you've ever had a family member suffer from Alzheimer's or dementia, it's pretty similar to a a very advanced case. Yes. And uh, Picard has to kind of roll with it. You know, you can even see it on his face, the 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 disappointment, the sadness when Sarek kind of starts the conversation over again, kind of forgets what they were talking about. Um, And it's it's uh, it's kind of a 
it's a it's a sad scene, right? It's a touching yeah. scene. You can definitely see the pain that Picard is feeling for that. And it's also the last time we ever see this incarnation of Sarek. Right. Which, um, well, it's sad on many levels. Like one, we're all saying goodbye to Sarek as a character and to this actor where, you know, they wrote him off after what he had been Sarek for 30 years. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. not I mean, not I mean, on basically. screen, obviously, but yeah, right. he had been the he face the of Sarek. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're feeling sad for Picard. He lost his friend. So there's two layers. And then you understand or you get even more understanding behind Spock and Sarek's very difficult relationship. And, you know, it just it's even more upsetting that Picard in his final years was closer to Sarek than Spock was. It seems a little unfair to Spock and to Sarek. So, yeah. No, I, yeah. I agree because, you know, they make a point of saying that Spock and Sarek never mind chose melded. to mind meld. And um, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So when Picard shows up and finally finds Spock, not only does he have to convince Spock to come home and not go through with whatever he's got planned, he also has to tell him that his father died. Yeah. And um, Spock guesses that pretty quickly. Yeah, he handles it very well. Uh, well, he handles it very Vulcan. You know, um, that is a good point. I did really enjoy when Data was talking with Spock. Like, mm. if you've chosen, you know, you're half human, but you've chosen to live almost completely Vulcan. And Spock, as a character, kind of goes back and forth on that at times. Right. Um, you know, in Star Trek Six, he's fairly both. Yeah. You know, human and Vulcan focused. Uh, obviously, you know, four is more Vulcan heavy because of the way he's brought back. Um, so his character kind of bounces around a little bit and, uh, discovery of course shows a younger Spock that's much more emotional and, and that type of thing. So do you think that if Shatner hadn't stepped in and they would have gotten to do a Spock and Uhura love story, it would have been like, it would have taken the character to a more human place i don't know because back then it was you know tv was so episodic right they didn't want much to carry over because there were no reruns there was no way to there was no vcr right syndication didn't happen until like the 70s so like there was just no way for people to catch an episode that they missed right you know so how could you introduce somebody in the middle of a show when they missed most of the story so i don't know that there ever would have been anything to come of that at all they just had a couple episodes from the first season. I remember when you and I were watching them that they flirted. And I know yeah. that the first interracial kiss was supposed to be with, you know, Spock and Ahura. And then Shatner was like, nope, I'm kissing Nichelle. Yeah. I mean, but given the context of how it happens, it's not like a romantic thing. Right. Uh, so I, I just I don't think anything would have changed from a character standpoint. That's fair. I was just curious yeah. if it if it if it was a more modern show then probably. You know, but even if you look at like Riker and Deanna, uh, even they're very like randomly the, there'll be a romantic thing for, with them, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's there's zero of it, and it's just back and forth. And now we'll find out, of course, in Picard based on the trailer that they do end up together, and that's lovely. But that but that doesn't really come to pl- to happen until Insurrection. Right. Right. And so once it's a movie, much, much later. So 
Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so Picard. So Picard has this difficult task of trying to navigate through not just Romulan politics, but out arguing a Vulcan who's mm-hmm. made up his mind, who also is personally biased against Picard because of his connection to his father. Right. He keeps referring to Picard as speaking as Sarek. Mm-hmm. Right. And Picard even gets annoyed with it. So. I see this episode as as very Picard centric because he has to use the experience and knowledge from two different lifetimes to try and navigate a very complex diplomatic situation that could result in war. Yeah. Right. And we do find out that the Romulans are trying to take over Vulcan. There's a lot at stake. It's also the first time in this prepping for Picard that I've watched Picard well, I guess excluding the Borg, I've watched Picard kind of lose. Like, Spock does what Spock wants to. He, at no, his whole mission is to go to Romulus, retrieve Spock, and be done with it. It doesn't happen. Spock stays. He, at the beginning of episode one, he is intent on helping them unify. And even after a an invasion attempt by Romulus, Spock is in the exact same spot. He's like, nothing's changed. There, there are still people that want to unify, and that is a good enough cause. So that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. No, you make a good point. And Spock even chooses to say with fewer resources at the end, because his main connection to the government, Pardak... Turns out to be a a spy. Yeah. Um, And so that's it's a difficult situation. But you're right. Picard doesn't really win, Um, you know, and, you know, I guess it kind of depends how you want to define win. There's some other episodes where he doesn't necessarily get his way. Like this is the first time, for example, I've never seen him like achieve his mission. Mm. Mm. And he didn't seem completely upset with it at the end of course because he knew that it was out of his control and it wasn't fighting Spock wasn't worth any resources on his part well not and not to belittle it you know but you know Picard was really sent because they thought Spock was defecting right but he really wasn't he was really trying to do a peaceful thing that the Federation would be behind so Picard backing off of that in a way might have to do with the reason when he went there and deter- determined what Spock was actually doing. Right. And that shows Picard's ability to adjust to situations, right? To kind of think on his toes and go with the flow and not, he's not as rigid as people like to paint him. Oh, he's definitely not rigid at all. Like, I I don't think I've ever thought of him like that because he's not... Uh, by the books, I have to follow the exact letter of Starfleet law or Federation law or anything like that. So I think that this is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we get more of Sela, um, Tasha Yar's half Vulcan, uh, half Romulan daughter. Um, don't want to forget that, but yeah, you're right. So at the end of the day, um, Picard doesn't quite get his way, but Picard at Spock and data do thwart the Romulan plan to take mm-hmm. over Vulcan, uh, which is convenient. The subplots 
fine. It's kind of a boring thing. I don't think we need to touch oh, on it, it a whole lot. Oh, it definitely Yeah. No, um, forget about it. Is there anything else about unification you think is important to the Picard character? Because there's only one piece I have left. Well, a couple things. I was like, when you had told me, like, I think a couple of years ago that Denise Crosby comes back as her own daughter and in this and I was expecting the Romulan physical features to be much more pronounced kind of like Bolanas are like she still has forehead ridges yeah. being a half so I expected some minor forehead ridges she just has the hair exactly <laughs> and it's she's the only blonde Romulan so like blonde is not usually a dominant trait so even that's like a little odd that's how tough Tasha was. I believe that. All of her genes were dominant. <laughs> if you ever meet Denise Crosby, you have to say that. <laughs> um, it's, it's a weird thing for me because I get why this episode gets knocked from time to time and the whole Sella storyline gets knocked. But I like seeing Denise Crosby come back and I appreciate that they found a way to do it without creating continuity problems. I do too. You it- know? It's it's a shame. That- it's very obvious that she just regretted her decision of leaving. And yeah. they, once she kind of regretted that and missed it, they also regretted killing the character as opposed to just sending her off like they did Wesley. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wesley was also open to coming, or Wesley, well, Will Wheaton was also open to coming back at times and sure. things like that, which is a little different, right? Um but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to I have seen more of Tasha. And <laughs> sure. so any chance to see Denise Crosby come back was was cool. Well, it would have been amazing to watch Data and yeah, Tasha actually well, have a relationship unfold. Like, it, even if it didn't end well, it would have been really cool. That's fair. Anyway. So the last piece I wanted to touch on was the mind meld. So yes, at the I was going to ask um, about that. Before Picard leaves, he... He and Spock are talking and Spock, you know, mentions how, you know, basically the, the arguments were all that they had left. And mm-hmm. ironically, Picard knew his father better than he did. And Picard author offers to do a mind meld with him, uh, which, you know, is a big deal. Mind melds are a big deal. I know right. they're kind of tropey in Star Trek for some reason, but they're not used all that much. And um, especially in TNG, they're, I think there's only two <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting one, but, um, but yeah, so uh, Picard and Spock do that. And Spock is able to uh, understand Sarek finally, you know? And so that's kind of a nice touching moment. It's some positive closure. So I wanted to ask how, if this has ever been touched on in either Star Trek or, you know, fans extended stuff, um, how much of that did he also get of Picard? Because, like, it, you know, Sarek is running through a Picard filter and we understand information, but it's also warped and manipulated by our own life experiences. You know, you mix one thing of water with another thing of water. You you have one thing of water, but it's, you know, it's different stuff. It's like, you know, you mix red and blue, you get purple. Like, yes. So, so sorry. I understand what you're trying to say. Thank you. So I will try and answer that. Um, 
mind melds were never really constructed particularly def- well defined okay. until Enterprise when they focus on them a little bit more. Um, the idea is that in a mind meld, the person offering up the information is choosing what to share. So he could have singled out the information that was just Sarek, but it- And when you have somebody as skilled and knowledgeable and experienced as Spock or Sarek, they would be looking for specific information. So specific memories, specific emotional feelings, things of that nature. So they're not as uh it's not all as fluid as you might think. It's more like going through a file system in a way. Okay. Probably not that elegant, but you know the the idea is that Picard was offering up what Sarek shared with him, and that's specifically what Spock was looking for. Okay. Now, someone who's performing a mind meld can take advantage of that situation right. and poke around, and there are times that that happens, like in the Undiscovered Country, uh, which creates a separate conversation. But right. that's not what happens here. Okay, just checking. All right, so we're gonna wrap up unification, and we are going to move on then to our. Th- third slash fourth and final episode which is the inner light do you want to take a break do you break yeah we can take a quick break do you break in this fine let's take a break no let's do it let's take a break attention everyone in the galaxy this is ian and chris from echo station podcast we are stranded here on hoth and we need your help desperately it's imperative that everyone listen to our message the empire is closing in with every intention to shut us and our message down Make sure to follow us at Echo Station Cast on the Twitter sphere and listen to us every other Monday for all your up-to-date Star Wars news and needs. You can't stop the signal, Mal. Wrong smuggler! Uh, uh, uh. Cut! Okay, and we are back to talk The Inner Light. So this episode, again, is absolutely one of my favorite episodes. There's a lot of things I really like about it. But Ray... What are your initial thoughts on the inner light? That was traumatizing. <laughs> traumatizing? Yes. That is not a word I ever would have used for um, it. That, that was... Okay, so you have told me that Trek has brought out some deep emotions in you before, that you've experienced, you know, true happiness, true anger, true sadness, true love all through a scope of Trek before. And I think this is the first time I was affected like that. Really? Yes. So a Picard like lives an entire life in a 25 minute span. Like it, and Deanna was nowhere to be found. Like she should have been there. Um, she wasn't in this episode. That's why I say it's traumatizing. This is the second episode just within the last month that you and I have watched a Trek character live an entire life. You know, we, we also watched DS9 where um, Jake oh. lived just... Yeah, that yeah. was a little more time travel It but, is. It yeah. definitely is. This one, I think this one is more emotionally affected than the other one but like yeah it definitely had tears in my eyes because of how just emotional it was well so this episode um is one that's considered to have shaped picard's personality moving forward the most um which an argument of course being made for the best of both worlds right when he was assimilated but 
you know, that, that concept of living an entire world in the span of 25 minutes, um, is, is kind of an incredible concept, but to have it all just kind of ripped away from you too, you know, you, you go back to this real world life. Like that's the traumatizing part for me because, you know, Picard had a wife and children and a vocation and grandchildren and, you know, then he finds out that he was just a vessel for the knowledge so that the civilization doesn't completely go unheard of. And, you know, how do you live with that? You had all the that love, that emotion, and it's just gone. It's not even tangible. He has no pictures or proof. Well, aside I, from the flute and the yeah, fact that now he can play it and and the ship and, and there's proof, of course, that it happened. I, I think everybody sure. would believe his experience based on what they were able to observe. But you're right. I mean, he basically the character he lives as Kanan essentially dies. Yeah. And then he still lives a life. Right. And so that's obviously something no one could n- ever really relate to. Right. Because even if reincarnation is real, none of us remember our previous lives. Right. So you're always starting over. He has that unique opportunity where he remembers both, mm-hmm. you know. And so it is a, a complicated thing. I'm curious, though, it, that parts that aside, what did you think of the story, the actual episode, the life that he lived, the planet? Oh, I, I think it was wonderful. And. <laughs> This this episode is super personal for me because I see so much of you in that Picard, that family man, that guy who is determined to make the best out of the situation. And it was clear that Cayman did not want that life. And for a very long time, he held on to the notion that he was meant for something else. And he remembered the starship and he wanted to be back there. But he let go and he adapted and he loved. And I see that in you. You tell me all the time that, you know, you you wish you could do movies or you wish you could be a video game developer or an astronaut. And by that's, that's three very interesting. <laughs> but that, those are things you've told me. Yeah, yeah. Like so. But you're not. You're here with me and we have a dog and we're in love and. You know, we're doing this. So, yeah. I'm... So should I collect some soil samples then? Is that where this is going? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I can build a telescope for us. God, you're so good um, at, you know, crushing emotion. No. Um, well, that means a lot. So thank you. I wasn't expecting to go that route when we had this conversation. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so obviously this this episode is on the list because of the experiences that Picard has. Oh, for sure. Um as as Cayman and Cayman is it's a Cayman's a weird character right because he's Picard he's Picard with different relationships right because he never really forgets his life as Jean-Luc and it's right. unclear it's very unclear if he ever remembers his life before I kept waiting for that you know the explanation as to why he had no idea 
what Cayman's life was like before this or did it just immediately start with the fever and everybody was like yeah we're just gonna play along or like I think the problem was the explanation at the end when everybody was like we brought you here and like because that makes the story a little wishy-washy in my head like did they purposely find that man and yeah that's the thing. I believe that they found a specific person, a person. So, do you who, think they concocted that whole story for him? Do you think they exactly. built it around it? Or do you think they were really married for three years? Yes, and, I think okay. I think he was a real person, and they were they were all real people, and he was playing that husband slash father slash friend character in his own way with his own personality, but with the constraints of that story of the drought that lasted for decades in this small community and his, you know, friend, you know, dying and naming their kid after him, like all that stuff I think is tied together because it pushed the narrative of who they were as a people. So Cayman was actually somebody completely different, passed away, whatever. And when they sought out Picard, they were like, let's have him fill the Cayman role and Picard's life and style and who he was shaped the rest of their lives as well. Well, because the way I always took it was that Cayman learned of the planet's fate and explained it to the government and found out that they had a plan and they decided they were going to do this and they modeled it after the Cayman. person who figured it out. But when they did that, they wanted to remove that part of the story to allow the story to continue to play out. That's Because someone could guess. If Picard realized that they were going to make a probe based on his life to send out into space, he might make that connection. And that's not what they wanted. They wanted the whole story to finish. Right? They wanted to get to the launch when he's an old man and he's got grandchildren and the planet's on its way out. That's when the story ends. Got it. It's basically a holodeck program in his brain where at the end they explain it to him. There's that the exposition of this is what you just experienced. And we didn't want to tell you ahead of time because that would have colored that experience. They needed it to be as real as possible. And now that's this is the why, you know, and so that that always worked for me. Okay, all right. I just needed a little bit more. I've also watched this episode a bunch of times. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe an argument could be made that it's a little convenient that the probe happens to find Picard of all people, you know, and he's one of the few people who would be able to really take on that responsibility and understand it. And, and But handle you couldn't it. do this episode because of that reason in like season one or two. You needed this to be a season five episode. You needed the Borg to happen. You needed Darmok to happen because he's already proven that he's a resilient, educated, gentle man. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, it's it's a character story and mm-hmm. you've been with him now for five. Well, I guess not full five years yet. Right. But you've been with him for a long time. You've seen all the stuff that he's gone through. You've seen you know, the bad times like the best of both worlds. But you've seen the good times like Captain's Holiday or, yeah. you know, uh, which I keep bringing up because I, I just like that episode. It's fun. Well, it's one of the few other times that he has a romance. That's and true. So, yeah, um, that's a good comparison, in my opinion. And. So, so yeah, so this, this episode, you know, really, um, is, is a straight up Picard episode. Everybody else is just standing around on the bridge trying to not let him die. Um, you're right. Deanna's not in it. 
uh pretty much everybody else is you know wesley's not but everybody else is on the bridge yeah doing, jordy you know. has like a couple sidelines <laughs> right he's at his engineering station on the bridge which mm-hmm. was a very convenient uh decision they made in tng to let him do that um but uh you know i mean scotty did similar things he did, yeah. um, so it worked out well i think um a fun little note is that um cayman's son when he's older he's a, he's an adult is patrick stewart's son mm-hmm. and he uh, was credited yeah as young bate young bate because old bate dies um and uh old bate was also on office space he, he creates the jump to conclusions match he's a people person <laughs> um but yeah, so uh, Patrick Stewart's always really loved this episode on top of the story value, but actually being able to act opposite his son is a sure. personal favorite moment of his, uh, or I guess experience. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's another ex- example of aging Picard up a bunch and making him look significantly older. We see this a few times um, throughout his uh, time playing Picard. Nobody really got it right. Uh, he looks pretty different now than I think people imagined that he would by that age. Well, they went with the letting him grow out the hair. Yes. And they should have just had him shave his head because he he kept it pretty short anyway, and it would have grown back within like a week's time at that length, I believe. So I think that just would have been the best move. But they kept making it longer and longer. And I'm like, he would have cut that. Cayman would have cut it. <laughs> like, his wife got haircuts. That's true. That's true. Um, so then there's the flute and the song. So I uh, I whistle this song, like, all the time. And all I've, the time. I've slowly been picking out how to play it on. But you play it on your ocarina. I do. I play it on my ocarina because I don't have a Reskin flute as much as I would like one. Yes. Hint, hint to anybody out there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But I have looked really. already, man. Those things are expensive. They are. I'm working on it. They are. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that flute is something that, you know, that kind of stays with him. Um, you know, it's. Once in a blue moon, you'll see it in the background somewhere. Well, there's always been his music. So there's always been his music. Um, it's kind of interesting because a handful of Star Trek main characters have played instruments. Mm-hmm. And after this, Picard joins that that ranking. You know, Riker plays the trombone. And Data plays the violin. He does, yep. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of that. Harry Kim on Voyager plays the clarinet, um, for example. I do want to ask, like, what is the fascination with all these characters' uh, preference for, like, super classical music? Because at this point, our music would be considered classical as well. And I'm just wondering, like, why they kind of skip that. Which answer do you want? In-universe or reality? (laughs) Well, reality is copyright. (laughs) And... Paying those people money. <laughs> right. You don't have to pay Sebastian Bach. Oh, Sebastian Bach. I switched the A's pronunciation. You don't have to pay him copyright. So uh, the in-universe answer is basically that we're a much more civilized and uh, sophisticated culture. And so we would appreciate the finer things like classical Beastie music. Beastie Boys. Like the Beastie Boys. Yes. Uh, but that, that would be the reason. Got it. You know, we would want to listen to symphonies and orchestras and that type of thing. But, okay. I mean, Archer still watches water polo on Enterprise, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the only normal sport. Uh, baseball. You see baseball on DS9, of course. It's just, for a show, 
in the future, there is a huge lack of presence of other media. And I know that they couldn't always predict that. But well, there's the holodeck. That's the, that's taken place of their television and movies. It's all holodeck stuff now. Because mm. it's interactive. Because it's interactive. Yeah. And you can do it. I mean, there's tons of stuff. In, well, then, in Voyager, Tom actually builds a movie theater. And oh, they watch cool. they watch 3D movies with the old paper 3D glasses in the holodeck. And they make a point of pointing out how like ridiculous that is to use a three-dimensional space to make a two-dimensional image appear 3D. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I do appreciate then, I guess, even a little bit more now that you know, Quark kind of gives people hollow sweets for sex reasons. Like yep. it, it makes total sense. The if the internet, there's no the porn, just moved into three dimensions. Right. If there's no porn, then people want to interact with it. And then there's the whole, you know, Orville episode where the guy is having like a porn addiction in a hollow suite. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, and, and TNG has an episode about hollow addiction. People, oh, yeah. Get, people, yeah. Uh, Barkley gets addicted to it because. Oh, poor uh, Barkley. Well, because he can control the environment, the characters, and be the hero. Sure. And that can be very addicting to somebody who doesn't feel like they're in control or have authority in their real lives. It's a pretty good storyline, in my opinion. So. Nice. Um, but anyway, so going back to this, um, yeah. So this episode, of course, focuses almost completely on Picard and these oh, yeah. experiences he will carry with him throughout the rest of his life. This this life that he led, knowing that this world came to an end and what these people were like. And he has that responsibility to keep that going on. Um, I always hoped that they had maybe taken that probe somewhere and there was an exhibit somewhere for people to learn about these people. Um, but they never really specify that. That's fair. So now one last thing before you close out is a star war or star Wars. Uh, sorry. Star Trek settlers of Catan on planet Catan? It's not Catan, exactly. It's Catan. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not. So, no. Different planets, different planets. Missed opportunity. <laughs> All right. So, we will close things out um, real quick here. I do want to point out that we have a T Public store and it is having a bunch of sales for the holidays, starting with pre Black Friday and Black Friday and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so if you uh, check out that stuff, basically there will be sales from November 20th through December 1st. That's pre Black Friday, pre Thanksgiving, and Black Friday sales. They're apparently all different. And then uh, there's a Cyber Week from December 2nd through 6th. Basically, there's like sales until December 18th. So if you go to um, our bit.ly link, it's uh, bit.ly slash capital H, capital P, capital N, T public. Um, you can find our link um, in the show notes. You can find our link on our link tree um, or you can just search for us. You can get all of our stuff out there. $13 t-shirts, I know, is the big sale. All of that is really helpful. Some of that money comes back to us here and helps us with our new equipment and um, things of that nature. So, Ray, how Hi. can people find you? I am at Siren Ray, or you could find me on Spellbound on this network or Screen Heroes on this network, or better yet, all three spots. Woo! Um, I'm, of course, the Star Trek dude. Next week, we are going to be moving on to season six for prepping for Picard. That will include, let's see, we will be covering a lot of episodes. We've got Times Arrow, parts one and two, Chain of Command, 
which is a two-parter as well. Then we have Tapestry, Starship Mine, Lessons, and The Chase. And that's being split into two different episodes. So you don't have to watch that all at once. We are splitting that up a little bit for you. So we hope that you continue to join us for Prepping for Picard. Use hashtag Prepping for Picard if you want to follow stuff with us there. Uh, we, have, of course, are Red Shirts and Runabouts. You can follow Woo! us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook or Instagram, heroespodcasts.com. Subscribe today on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you name it. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.